Turn to the book of Genesis this morning. Genesis 1-1. Just one short verse. Doesn't mean a short message, but it, it is a short verse. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very short, very succinct verse, but that's what we're going to look at this morning. We come today to the very foundation of our faith. We come, in a sense, back to the beginning. The beginning of time when God created this world. It's the foundation of our faith. Hebrews 11 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. It's an area of faith that we rest on today. And I realize as one of the reasons I came to this study is the battle is raging today in an attempt to discredit the word of God. There are those even in our some of our seminaries and so forth that are beginning to teach that Genesis 1 through 11 is just myth or an allegory. And I think they are discrediting not only the word of God, but they are attempting to discredit Christianity as we know it today. Uh, Every major doctrine that we have in the New Testament traces its roots back to Genesis 1 through 11. It is a very critical passage of scripture. And to write it off as an allegory or to write it off as a myth is to not only do injustice, but to to destroy the the word of God. Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter all believed that Genesis 1 through 11 was fact. They taught it as such. They they communicated that, that message to their followers. And yet, in light of so-called scientific evidence, how do we maintain such a belief today? How is it possible to hold to the what the word of God says when we look at what scientists are telling us today. Do we simply write it off as a myth or an allegory or is it the truth? The debate as we see today is not a debate that has to do with the Bible and science. It has nothing to do with science. It's rather a theological debate. What system are you going to believe? What are you going to base your, your faith on today? Whether you look at creation or whether you look at evolution, both systems are systems of faith. Both demands that we somehow put our faith in something that we fully do not understand. Why do I say that? Well, by its very definition, science is defined as that which deals with that which can be observed, tested, measured by empirical means, controlled, uh, or scientific data is based on controlled, repeated experiments that yield consistent results. Now, when it comes to creation, there was only one creation. We're not going to recreate it. We're not going to demonstrate it in the laboratory. We have to either accept the word of God or the word of uh, other theologians that, that take a different viewpoint. There, there is no scientific way for us to go back to the beginning and prove how God did it and, and the, the method that he uses. 
True science and the Bible do not contradict each other. What the problem comes in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where Paul is warning Timothy. He said in verse 20, uh, oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, or that can also be translated the opposing arguments, what is falsely called science, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. The problem is that down through the ages, men have accepted as science something that is not true, something that they cannot prove. Uh, Go back to the Middle Ages. We had the taught in our schools of learning and so forth, the the science of alchemy. That was the medieval belief that base metals could be turned into gold. And they sought to prove that. They, They sought to come up with ways to make that possible. It took them a long time before they realized that what they were teaching a science just wasn't true. You're not going to take a piece of coal and make gold out of it. I don't care what system you use. It it just doesn't work. You can try it all you want, but it's not going to work. In the Victorian age, a scientist taught uh, phrenology. Uh, That was the belief that the shape of one's head determines their character, determines their, their mental capacity. I don't know who measured the heads, I, I don't know how they came up with that conclusion, but it was an accepted practice in the medical field and, and in education and so forth. And then they found out that it wasn't true. Uh, guess what? They had to change their scientific theory. Uh, another one was astrology. That's the pagan belief that our destinies are determined by the movement of the stars and, and the heavenly bodies. Uh, unfortunately, that is a belief that's still with us today. Many people still believe that is true. I would hate to think that my destiny is determined by the stars, by what the movement of the stars and so forth, but many people hold to that pagan belief even today as a scientific principle. Another one is abiogenesis. That was the long-standing belief that had been around for centuries, taught by scientists, that living organisms are spontaneously generated from organic substances. The interesting thing about that is that two years after Darwin accepted that truth and printed it in his book, The Origin of the Species, Louis Pasteur proved conclusively that it just isn't so. Uh, he, through his, his studies and, and experiments, found out Life just doesn't spring out of organic material. There, there's something more to life than, than that. And yet that teaching is still maintained today, and you deal with it in the evolutionary debate today. They suggest that, okay, it, it doesn't work today, but maybe billions of years ago it worked. That's so-called science. That, that's not provable. It's not demonstrated today. And so we're not dealing with a theological, we're not dealing with a scientific debate, we're dealing with a theological one, one in which we have to make a choice. Which one are we going to believe? So-called science or the Bible? Uh, I would suggest that the only one that knows what happened was 
God. It starts out, in the beginning, God. I think we can trust his word. I, I think we can trust what he has to say. And I honestly believe that any unbiased look at any area of scientific study leads you back to a creator. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. I, I, I don't care what area you study in the fields of science. It should lead you to getting a glimpse of his handiwork, of the glories of creation, of, of, of the wisdom that, that is there, and so forth. And so today we're going to turn our attention to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're not going to completely finish Genesis 1-1 today. We'll, we'll come back to that again next week as, as we begin the order of creation. But uh, we, we see two truths coming out of Genesis 1-1 here. First of all, there is the majesty of God being revealed. The majesty of God. Chapter 1 is a very beautiful psalm of praise to the majesty of the Creator. He invites us, in a sense, to bow down before the creative word of God. And Genesis 1-1 teaches us that there is but one God. In the beginning, God. Not a plurality of gods here, but in the beginning there was one God. And he was, the term we like to use, theologians like to use, is he was transcendent. He was separate from his creation. I, I realize there are many today that teach we're all part of the Godhead. We're all one with God. We don't find that in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, there was God, and then God brought into creation everything that we know and everything that we understand today. But that doesn't mean because he created us that we're God. He and he alone is God. We, we need to wrestle with that fact as we deal with individuals that, that hold different views on that. And as we look at his creative act, uh, we get a glimpse just a little bit of who he really is. In Psalm 19, we read in verse 1, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. Just take a, a look around you and you get a glimpse today of the glory of God. I, I realize uh, I'm treading on thin ice here, but how many of you, when you got up yesterday morning, reflected on the glory of God. Wasn't it beautiful? Yeah, it was tremendous. Just just think, four or five inches of fresh snow out there. Everything looked clean and white and, and beautiful. Uh, it, it gave us a glimpse of the glory of God. And uh, I know some of you don't agree with me, but, you know, we live in a beautiful part of God's creation. You don't have to go very far to get a glimpse of the glory of God. Just head up toward the, the ski resort and, and start hiking out there in the summertime. I don't, I don't do it today, but uh, <laughs> out, out there in the hills and the mountains and, and so forth. And, and you, you've got to come to the conclusion that God is glorious. What, what a glorious part of the world we live in today. I, I, I still shake my head about people that go south for the winter. What, what are they missing here? Uh, missing an important element of God's glory, but that's okay if if they want to do that. Uh, Another thing that we see as we look at creation is uh, the wisdom of God. In Psalm 104, 
uh, verse 24, he says, O Lord, how many are thy, are thy works? In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy possessions. And then if you skip down to verse 31, he says, Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in his works. And he was glad in his works. When we come to the end of chapter 1, we're going to see God said, It is good. He created a good world in which we have to live today. And he did it in wisdom. Do you ever think of the wisdom of God when you look around at creation? Uh, We'll mention it again later, but uh, you ever pondered the migration of birds and butterflies and so forth? How do they know when and where to go? I think God in his wisdom has programmed them to understand far more than we give them credit for. God in his wisdom uh, created the world in such a way that you and I have a place to live. Uh, there, There are so many elements that need to be in place for life that if you remove one of them, life is no more. There has to be enough oxygen in the air. There, there has to be the sunlight. There, uh, on and on it goes. And, and God knew all of that. He put it all together so that you and I have a place to live. Uh, I question the wisdom of some of our uh, scientists today that want to say, hey, we can live on Mars. Or we can live on the moon. Well, we could probably put a colony up there and a shelter up there, but... Uh, you're not going to just step out the door and wander around. We're not made for Mars. We're made for Earth. This is the world that God has created for us, and we need to recognize that fact. And God, in his wisdom, put all the pieces together so that you and I can enjoy life in the world, the beautiful creation that he has given to us there. Another aspect that creation reveals about our God is found in Romans chapter 1. In uh, verse 19, it says, That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through that which has been made, so that they are without excuse there. Think of what he's saying there. The creation gives us a glimpse of the power of God. I still remember when Mount St. Helens blew its top. Uh, We we were far enough north that uh, we just got maybe just a sprinkling of the ash. Not hard to even recognize that anything happened if you didn't have listened to the news there. Uh, I I think you suffered more of the consequences here than than what we did up in Canada. But... uh, one of the scientists that had been studying this as, as he watched what happened was struck with the fact, this is the power of God. And it was. It was God at work. At, and and uh, you know, we, we can try to explain it away with the forces of nature and so forth. But to conclude that all of this creation happened by chance, by a big bang, is absolute foolishness. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I've, I've watched as people have used dynamite and so forth. Uh, an explosion creates what? Chaos. It, it doesn't create order. It doesn't bring order out of something. It, it destroys. And yet 
we're trying to suggest that a, a big explosion created all that we, we know of today. I think we get a glimpse, and I think God in our day and age gave us Mount St. Helens for a reason. Because it contradicts so many of our scientific facts, or so-called facts, or theories today. Uh, it takes millions of years to create coal and petrified forests and so forth. Well, does it? Take a look at Mount St. Helens. Within hours, it was all created. Uh, gems that supposedly take all kinds of time. Uh, you have a canyon up there that if they hadn't watched it happen, they would probably tell you it took a couple million years to form that canyon. And yet God did it in just a few short hours. And, and so it gives us a glimpse of, of the power and, and the glory of God. Uh, I, I like Colossians chapter 1 in uh, verses 16 and 17 there. It says, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist, or that can also be translated, all things hold together. What is it that keeps our world in check today? Have you ever, I shouldn't, I don't want to give you nightmares, but have you ever thought about an atom? An atom is made up of what? Protons and electrons. One's positive, the other's negative. What happens when you have a negative pole and a positive pole and you bring two magnets together? They attract each other. They, they, they just, yeah, suddenly they're connected together. Why doesn't that happen in the atom? Why doesn't it collapse? Why, why aren't those electrons drawn into the center to the, the protons? It's because God upholds all things by the word of his power. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. It's his creation. And he has a right to control it and, and to, to work as he chooses in it today. We can't begin to plumb the depths of creation. We can't begin to understand the depths of the wisdom of God. Romans chapter 11, Paul comes to that conclusion. that He speaks of the depths of the wisdom of God. He said, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now, we can try. We can delve into, and I think we, we, we should, look at the mysteries around us, the, look at the uh, glory around us, and get a glimpse of God. But will we fully understand it? I don't think so. God is so much greater than, than we are. So we have the majesty of God being displayed here. In the beginning, God did what he created. We also have... In this passage, I believe the mystery of God. Not just his majesty, but his mystery. God created. The word he uses for create implies that God made everything that we know of today out of nothing. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, there was the so-called scientist that, that said, we don't need God any, any longer. We, we can do it ourselves. And somebody said, well, let, let's see you create a man. And so he, he kneels down and he begins to get some clay and he's going to make a man. And he says, wait a minute. God says, wait a minute. That's my dirt. 
you get your own dirt. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't do it. Uh, we can't even understand how he, he did it. There's a mystery there. How did he create something out of nothing? Psalm 148, uh, verse 5, gives us a clue to that. It says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He spoke the word, and that's what we're going to see as, as we move on in, into this. We're going to see the word of creation, first of all. Not the work of creation, but the word of creation. God spoke, and it happened. I don't know about you, but there's a tremendous encouragement in that truth. If God could speak the world into being, what can he do in our lives? What can he do for us? Can he work miracles today? Can he answer prayer? He, his word is powerful, and we need to rest in it today. In John chapter 1, in uh, verse 3, we read, All things came into being by him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has not come into being. How do we know that? Hebrews eleven three. we accept it by faith. God said it, and so he being the only one there, we accept his word. We marvel at the mysteries of creation. We marvel at, at the migration of the birds, the fish, the butterflies. How do they know that? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, in verse 29, he says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. What's he saying in that? There are many things that we're going to observe and see in the world around us, in nature and so forth. We're not going to understand how, how, how did they do that? He said, they, those secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons, that we may observe all the words of this law. We have the privilege of delving into true scientific truths, of beginning to understand what's going on around us and, and in our world and so forth. But there's always going to be an element of mystery there. Uh, True science attempts to under, unlock those mysteries, and I believe it was a, a belief in God, in the fact that God is a God of order that brought some tremendous scientific advantage, uh, uh, advancements in the world in which we live. I think because we're moving away from that belief in God, that in reality we're moving back to the dark ages. I, I don't like to think that, but I, I think that's what's happening in, in the world in, in the realm in which we are living by denying God and denying his creative ability and so forth, we are actually moving in the wrong direction as a society. We, we, we need to, to wrestle with that today. The fact is, God has created all things, whether they are seen or unseen. The heavens, he says he created the heavens. The heavens is the realm of the sky and above that the place where God dwells. It is the, the realm of the angels, the uh, spiritual beings that, that are existed. All came into being because God created them. And so, guess what? They are under his control. When you come to the book of Job, uh, I trust you wrestle with the book of Job when you read that. It, it's not an easy book to read when you think of all that happened in the life of Job. And yet I, he, he sets the, the stage for it in the very opening chapter there where it says the sons of God came before the Lord in heaven. 
they had to come and they had to answer to their Lord and creator there. And in the very same thing, it says Satan had to come and answer to God. Guess what? God is still on the throne. God is still in control. And though we may not always see how that's working out in our world, he is still God today. He created it all. Even that which is in the realm of the heavens is answerable to him. Earth here speaks of the realm of man. I believe God created this world in the way he did for you and I. This is our home. This is the the place that he has given us to to live and to dwell, given us the responsibility of having dominion and authority over us. We'll see more of that as we move on toward the end of this chapter. But this is our home that God has created for us. It was all part of his great creative mind. And we can rejoice, I think, in, in his creation. Next time we'll look at the process that that takes place here. But again, even as we look at that process, we are not going to fully understand how he did it or even why he did it. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 speaks of the fact that God's ways are greater than our ways. His ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can't begin to fully fathom the thoughts and the ways of God. We serve a God of majesty We serve a God of mystery today. And we can rejoice, I think, in in both of that. I I realize I say that it calls for faith in the Almighty. Do you believe the testimony of God today? Or are you putting your faith in the testimony of man? Do, Do you believe that God means what he says when he says, In the beginning I created the heavens and the earth. Or do you try to explain that away by other means there? I I came across the clipping a few years back in the the Daily Bread. It's an article written by Dr. Walter Tuning of Augusta, Georgia. He says these words, Some men say there is no God. All the wonders around you are accidental. No almighty hand made the thousand billion stars. They made themselves. The top few inches of our land just happened to have topsoil, without which we would have no vegetables to eat, no grass for the animals whose meat is our feed, our food. The inexhaustible envelope of air only 50 miles deep and of exactly the right density to support human life is just another law of physics. Water expands when it freezes while all other substance contract. This makes ice lighter than water, keeps it floating on the surface. Otherwise, lakes would be solid ice down to the bottom all year, and no fish could survive. Who made this arrangement? Why does the earth spin at a given speed without ever slowing up so that we have day and night? Who tilts it so that we get seasons? The sun stokes a fire just warm enough to sustain us on earth, but not hot enough to fry us or cold enough to kill us. Who keeps the fire constant? The human heart will beat for 70 or 80 years without faltering. How does it get sufficient rest between beats? A kidney will filter poison from the blood and leave the good things alone. How does it know one from the other? Who gave the human tongue flexibility to form words and a brain to understand them, but denied it to all the animals? Is it all accidental? There is no God? That's what some people say. But the Bible says, in the beginning, God created. We rest on that fact 
today? Do we believe that his testimony today? Is Genesis 1, 1 true? I believe it is. And I stand firmly upon the, the foundation of the, the word of God. No attempt to explain it away destroys the word of God. Heaven and earth, he says, will pass away, but my word endures forever. We can rest on, on the, the word of God. Uh, another quote, as, as we think of the truth of creation, another quote entitled, Hanging on Nothing. A world map published by the National Geographic Society has this notation. Earth's mass is 6.6 sextillion tons. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't wrap my mind around that. I, I have enough trouble wrapping my mind around what the scale says when I step on it in the morning. <laughs> How in the world did I get to that weight? Uh, uh, and here it is, 6.6 sextillion tons. I, I don't understand that. What supports that weight? Nothing. The planet we inhabit spins on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour as it hurls through space in its orbit around the sun. But it's easy for that to remain unnoticed by us. You, you ever stop to think you're spinning round and round? You, you, you try that at some, some of us at that age. If we tried to spin around and around on this platform, we'd, we'd soon fall down. But we're doing it. Yeah, the, the earth is spinning around and around. It, it's easy for this to remain unnoticed in the midst of our daily concerns about health, relationships, how to pay the bills, and so forth. He goes on to say, The Lord who upholds the universe by the word of his power is in control of our everyday lives. Experiences that seem empty places are all undergirded by our Heavenly Father's power and love. If he can create the world as we know it and we can enjoy the, the blessings of it, I believe as we face a new year, we can rest in the Almighty. We can rest in him. I don't know what 2019 holds for us. I, I, I don't know all of his plans and purposes, but if he could create the world and keep it spinning and, and keep it operating as he does... Can he work in the little circumstances that touch our lives? Can he be there for us? I believe he can. He is the almighty God, so great, so vast, that nothing is too difficult for him. And no prayer that you utter will be too small for him to hear. No circumstances you face will be too great for him to deal with. He is the almighty God. We don't fully understand that. There's a mystery there, but we can rest in the fact that he is God. And then as we think of creation, I think we need to celebrate God today. I started reading a book, and I only read through the introduction to it. Uh, it's called Creation and Doxology. It's a, a whole group of writers that came together and, and have written uh, a book on creation and, and doxology there. I'm not sure where it's going or, or what the conclusion is going to be yet. But I, 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 as I read the introduction the other evening, it said, the created world reveals the beauty, the power, the glory of the uncreated God. But humanity has confused the beautiful things with beauty itself. Think of that for a minute. We've confused the beautiful things with beauty itself. 
We have chosen to live our lives willfully asleep to the reality of God. We have fallen in love with the beautiful things and have abandoned the beautiful one. In a deep and tragic irony, the very things that were intended to point us to God have obscured our knowledge of him. The beautiful things are blessings when we receive them with thanks, but they are false gods when we worship them in place of the creator. We have made the means an end, and the beautiful things, rather than leading us to God, have led us only to ourselves. When we look around us at the beauty and the glory that we see in creation, let's remember it's there because of God. Don't worship the created. Don't worship the the things that around you, but recognize that God and God alone is worthy of our worship. He is the one who created it all. He is the one that has gifted us with it all. Sometimes I think it's good for us to pray, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see the beauty of your creation, yes, but help us to see it's your hand that has made it all possible. Help us to see a a glimpse of your greatness, of, of your power, of your glory, of your might. Don't miss the blessings of, of the majesty of God and the mystery of God. What a tremendous blessing that is to, to hold to both truths there, to recognize that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you believe that? Is that the central guiding factor in your life? Or have you bought into the philosophy of the world? who teaches that it all happened by chance, all just one big bang and there it was or took billions of years. God doesn't say that. He says, in the beginning, I did it. Which one are you going to believe? Who are you going to choose to believe today? God or the philosophies of men? Personally, I hold to the word of God and and we're going to hold to that as we make our way through the opening chapter of Genesis. Let's pray. Father, today, we just want to stop and marvel at your majesty. You have blessed us in the area in which we live to be able to see a glimpse of your glory, to see a a, a glimpse of your wisdom, to, to see a glimpse of your power, to recognize that you are so much greater than we are. And we take comfort and encouragement in that fact because there is nothing nothing in this world or the world to come that can touch our lives that can separate us from your love because you are above all of it and so we thank you for your majesty today we also struggle with your mystery father and yet we thank you that we can't fully understand you we can't fully understand the world in which we find ourselves it's too much it's too great for us We find encouragement in that fact that there is someone who does, and that's you. And so we choose today to commit our life in a new and a fresh way to you. As we look at the closing of one year, the beginning of another, we thank you that we can rest in the fact that just as you have been there all along, you're going to be with us as we walk through these coming days, that you're going to somehow be glorified in us and through us. And you are going to be the one who is 
on the throne throughout the days to come. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing Go Tell It on the Mountains. What a tremendous truth to tell to the world. Yeah, so let's take Go Tell It on the Mountains.